Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, called The Mystery of the Church. Blessed is he who does not see and yet believes. I'm in that camp. I hold a completed Bible. I have eyewitness testimony. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so God chose these guys that they would share the doctrine. And and this is the specifics now, verse 6, that the Gentiles are three things. They are fellow heirs. And this would be shocking to the Jewish mind who thought only the Jews would be saved. The Gentiles, this is the specifics, are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, the church, and fellow partakers. Uh, There's many commentators that believe Paul coined the word fellow partakers there of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We are uh, co-participants. We are fellow heirs, fellow members, fellow partakers. That's pretty complete. There's a beautiful, mystical unity in the body of Jesus Christ, and he's given it to us who believe. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. One body. And Paul says in verse 7, of which I was made a minister, that's diakonos, the Greek word for a table server or a deacon. I was looking this up um, tonight, and I've looked at this word many times. And one definition of a diakonos, a minister, sometimes translated a deacon, is defined as the servant of a king. Isn't that a great definition? That's what Paul was. He was the servant of the king. I uh, have really treasured Romans 12, 1 and 2, and it talks about there uh, presenting ourselves as living sacrifices to God. And the presentation of ourselves is kind of in the, uh, the technical um, image of a sacrifice, but we're not presenting an animal. We present our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice. And I like to imagine the days of the knights when they would kneel before their king and he would knight them and give them marching orders and send them out. And I always uh, saw myself that way. And I think this is maybe an an image that uh, you can really feel maybe as a guy, uh, a knight being sent out on the orders of your king. And uh, lots of days when I come before my king, I kind of imagine myself this way on my knee, in my armor, before my king, waiting for him to touch me and say, this is what I want you to do today. See, if we live our days like that, we'll be in service of the king. That's the idea of a minister. According to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me, Paul obviously highlighting the grace of God, according to, notice, the working, that's where we get our English word energy, of his power, there's the Greek word dunamis, dynamic. See, the way you do it is by grace, his grace, and by the power of God. Amen? Verse 8. To me, the very least, uh, less than the least of all God's people, says the NIV. Look at how Paul saw himself. I am the very least of all the saints. And he's turned the language again. In this particular language, Arkan Hughes says, Paul again bends the language and he takes the Greek word for least or smallest and adds an ending which is impossible linguistically. So that he comes out with a word that means the leaster. 
That sounds like a southern person talking. I'm the leaster in all my clan, you know. But that's how Paul saw him. And some see a play on words with Saul who became Paul. His Latin name is Paulus, which means little. And so some see Paul saying, I am small Paul. I don't know why he called me. I don't know. But it's like Paul spends a good part of the New Testament in awe that he's the guy. And if you spend a good portion of your life in awe that God would choose to use you, you're in a really good place. The times you get in trouble is when you say something like this. Aren't you privileged, God, to have a guy like me? That's when you're about to fall on your face. And if you're getting close to that, God will find a way to humble you. Paul says, man, think of the guy's intellect and calling and all that he did. And how did he see himself as he writes Ephesians? He said, I'm less than the least of all God's people. It blows my mind, but I have been given this privilege. Grace was given to me to preach. Euangelizo, that's the word for announcing good news. To preach to the Gentiles. Notice what Paul calls it. The unfathomable riches of Christ. You could literally translate this. The riches which cannot be tracked or if we had put it in our vernacular, riches which cannot be counted. That's what I preach. When, when I preach the gospel and someone enters into a personal relationship with God, they have just become wealthier than I could tell you. Amen. You believe it? They become one of the wealthiest people in the universe because not everybody's getting there. And when they respond to the gospel, you can tell them, as Jesus said to Paul, arise and stand on your feet. For this purpose I've appeared to you and I've appointed you as a minister and a witness, not only of the things which you have seen, but the things in which I will appear to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, in order that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. And Paul says, I am the least of the apostles. I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. Paul then said, well, who is Paul? I'm simply a servant through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. What was the opportunity he gave? To bring to light, verse 9, to make plain to everyone, says the NIV, what is the administration, that's the same word as verse 2, the stewardship of the mystery which for ages had been hidden or has been hidden in God, who created all things. God decided to keep it veiled for a time, but now God revealed it. And can you think, just think of Paul writing this down and realizing who he is. He's the man that God kept a secret for thousands and thousands of years and said, I think I'll use him. It's kind of like Mary being chosen to be the mother of Jesus. Who am I, Lord? That you would choose me. Or Moses going to Pharaoh. Who am I? Or Gideon, you know? Who am I? 
Those are the famous lines in the Bible. And Paul says, look, God hid it, and then when he decided to make it known, you know who he chose? Little old me. Small Paul. That's pretty cool. How many of you can say that God has used you and your family to bring many of your family members to salvation in Jesus Christ? To change the destiny and maybe future generations of your family? Me! You! Praise God. In order that the manifold wisdom of God, 10, might now be made known through who? The church. To the rulers and the authorities. Where? In the heavenly places. Now, God wants all the created things to know. He, he created all things and he wants, he wants it to be made known, his wisdom in verse 10. The manifold wisdom, uh, by the way, is a Greek word which is used in the Septuagint for Joseph's coat of many colors. He had one coat, but it was cool. It had many colors on it. Some of you have a coat like that from the 60s or something like that. Anyway, it was a coat of many colors. His brothers got jealous. And that's the word for the manifold wisdom of God. And that's kind of how the body of Christ is. We're one organic body, but we are many colors. You know what I'm saying? Jew, Gentile, slave, free, black, white, yellow, purple. We are all precious in his sight. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. See, our common bond is Jesus. The walls have been torn down in him and God says, I'm going to use the church not only to tell the world about my manifold wisdom, but I'm going to use the church so that rulers and authorities might see this in the heavenly places. What will be on display when the church models this is the glory or the wisdom of God, multifaceted, multicolored, coming together in one body in Christ. And when they do, the angels will look and say, wow, which angels, you might ask? Good ones or bad ones? I think both. I think both. In 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, it talks about uh, the salvation that angels long to look into and it has the idea of angels literally stooping down and looking. And it says in Luke 15 that when one sinner repents, the angels rejoice in heaven. Apparently, not apparently, it's clear from the text that when the church assembles, the angels are part of the cosmic audience. And Paul gives this reference, it's a little strange, but uh, where some people don't know quite what to do with it, but it's in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 10, and it says, therefore, a woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. In 1 Timothy 5, 21, Paul says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. And the implication is that the angels watch the church how the church conducts itself, how leaders conduct themselves. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine if some wacky false preacher began to realize that angels are watching his sermons? He might want to change his tune. But you know what? God hears every sermon we preach. Isn't that enough? It should be enough. But angels are watching. So you're part of a local church in Corona, right? Have you ever thought that on a Sunday morning as you're worshiping God or not worshiping God, depending on your attitude on that particular Sunday morning. The angels 
are taking note. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Pastor Michael Lance would like to invite you to our next 633 event called On the Brink, A Warning to America. I can't think of anything more relevant and no, more that needs explanation and clarification and illumination than the topic of Marxism, socialism, and communism. The next 633 event will be August 22nd at 6.30 with guest pastor Christian Ionesco. He's a Chicago pastor who fled persecution in communist Romania and really became a religious refugee in America. Now he is saying that he is seeing signs in America, similar things that were happening in Romania as they were being prepped to really transfer over to communism. Learn more about this next 633 event on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of His chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. And the implication is that the angels watch the church, how the church conducts itself, how leaders conduct themselves. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine if some wacky false preacher began to realize that angels are watching his sermons? He might want to change his tune. But you know what? God hears every sermon we preach. Isn't that enough? should be enough. But angels are watching. So you're part of a local church in Corona, right? Have you ever thought that on a Sunday morning as you're worshiping God or not worshiping God, depending on your attitude on that particular Sunday morning, the angels are taking note? And apparently, one of their education arms to complete their education is to watch the church manifest the manifold grace of God. It's multicolors, kind of like Joseph's coat. One body, but many. And when we fight, and when they do the story about the church in Texas who sued each other and went to secular court, and they found out that an a older person in the congregation got a smaller piece of, piece of ham than uh, a younger person and he was mad and the church divided and they went to court and they said, hey, what started all this hullabaloo? Oh, well, old Fred. Hope we don't have a Fred in the audience. <laughs> he got a smaller piece of ham than Junior over there. That's what started this whole mess. And the angels look. <laughs> what? Smaller piece of what? Ham. Very valuable down there, Ham. Gentiles especially like it in Texas. <laughs> Ham. That's the multivariate color of grace of God on display. That's tearing down the walls in the church. When Paul goes and he sees Peter standing aloof from the Gentiles, he would eat with them, but then his Jewish buddies came in and he wouldn't eat with them. And Paul says, "What? hey, how is that the grace of God on display? And Get this, even after Peter was this great leader and he had recovered from his fall, 
Paul, little Paul, got in the face of the big fisherman. Yeah. He said, how is that the grace of God on display, Pete? And of course, they could all go into their history and Peter could say, well, what about you? <laughs> Look what you did. You know, what about you? Three denials. What about you? You know, anyway. <laughs> Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the matters of this life? 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3 talk about the church judging the world and judging angels. One writer comments, the destiny of redeemed men and women to one day be higher than the angels and even to judge them must greatly annoy a certain high angel. He did not want to serve an inferior creature now and did not want that inferior creature to be raised up even higher than he. And so he rebelled against God. And he is determined to keep as much of humanity as possible from sitting in judgment over him. We can imagine the perverse pleasure that proud Satan takes over every soul that goes to hell. And he says, that one won't sit in judgment over me. You wonder why the church is divided? You wonder why Satan gets in the middle of churches and people? Now this is in accordance with God's eternal purpose. Look at verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out. God's purpose is not temporal, it's eternal. He's going to redeem the universe and the church is a down payment of what's coming for the universe. You can see that in Romans 8, Colossians 1. This is God's eternal purpose. It's carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord in him in whom we have boldness. That's freedom to approach God and confident access through faith in him. And then Paul, going back to his situation in prison, says, therefore, to sum up, I ask you not to lose heart at my trouble or my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. See, I'm not just in prison. I'm a prisoner of Christ, and God has used my life to reach you. And I'm sitting here writing this letter right now by the grace of God. Now two final scriptures and we're done. Go back to Galatians. Look at verse 6. Excuse me, chapter 6, verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh, Galatians 6, 8, shall from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And then final section is Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Uh, this comes on the heels of the great hall of faith, people who endured all kinds of difficulties for the sake of the kingdom and the eternal uh, city. And with a the word, therefore, connecting it to that group, he says, Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us or marked out before us. 12.2, Fixing our eyes, the word fixing means look away from something and refocus on something else, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Don't look back while you're running. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the great mystery that you disclosed to Paul, Saul who became Paul. He's probably the most unlikely candidate that anybody could imagine in the early church that would be the recipient of a gospel of grace, not works, not law, a gospel that would be largely uh, directed towards the Gentiles. But that's the kind of God you are. You do the unexpected. And you tell us to run the race that's marked out before us. And sometimes we wonder, we sit in awe, how could I be that person? How could I tell that people group? But you delight to take the unexpected things, even the foolish things of the world, to confound the wise. And we praise you. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, his grace is multifaceted. There's more than enough for you. But he's going to ask you to turn away from your sin tonight and trust in Jesus. Trust in his death and resurrection. And so if it's you, it's something like this. Don't hesitate. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Pray it to him if it's you. I repent. I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you for grace. That you took my punishment and bore my sin at the cross. I give you thanks. Make me your child. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. If you're here, keep your heart and head bowed. And you're, you've just been running from God. You've been struggling. You're ready to give up. You've lost heart. You're here tonight and God's saying to you, don't give up. Run the race. I'll give you the power and the strength to make it. And Father, for the precious saints that are trying to fight that good fight of faith every single day, strengthen them by your grace and with your dynamite power so that we can make a difference in this world while we yet have time. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. You've been listening to The Mystery of the Church, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. Hey, and if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow Walk in Truth on social media. We'd love to see who's listening. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow us at at Walk in Truth Show. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the church is a beautiful organism. It's God's bride. Jesus said the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. He will build his church. And so I pray that if you're a person who's part of the church, you're part of the family, that you would be encouraged. Maybe you're a pastor who maybe you got hurt and you're out of the ministry. Now, you're never really out of the ministry, but my brother 
If you've been hurt, I'm so sorry. I know, I know the, the church can be a painful thing. Maybe you disappointed yourself. Maybe you fell. Maybe you're a sister in the Lord and you got wounded in a church and now the radio is your church. It's safer that way. I get it. However, it's not God's best for you. Unless you're someone who's shut in and can't get out, you need fellowship. We need God's people. And I'm not going to tell you to rush it, but I'm going to tell you maybe, you know, if you've been praying for a while, oh God, I, I Lord, I pray that you would help people to just uh, heal. I pray for healing for that brother or sister who's hurting, that they they'd open their heart again to love again. Well, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We're ta- we've been talking about the mystery of the church. And, you know, as we transitioned, we're going to be looking in our next message at the prayer and power of love and fullness in our lives. And, you know, of what I just said, what I just talked about, about hurts, this is the way they get healed or resolved, the power of God's love and fullness in our lives. That's tomorrow right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing. Keep us in prayer, and I'll meet you right here tomorrow. God bless you. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. And thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. Praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, could you please consider becoming a partner of at least $5 a month? You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, called The Prayer and Power of Love and Fullness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.